Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina. Are you ready? Let's break the diet cycle. Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. Today we have Jay Baum, who is here from Canada, coming through the airwaves to talk to us about how to raise intuitive eaters. We are thrilled to have you, Jay. This is a topic our audience thinks about a lot. They're healing their relationship with food. They want kiddos to grow up without their problems. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about you and your practice before we jump in on their questions today. All right. I am super excited to be here chatting with both of you. Um, yeah, I'm based in Toronto. I have a private practice called Pometa Nutrition, and we focus on infant child and perhaps most importantly, that family nutrition piece. So for me, I guess maybe a bit of the background of um, how I came to do what I do. Uh, I came I went to school to be a dietitian as a quote unquote mature student at the age of 25. Mm, right. I, <laughs> I had already had a career as a chef. So I went to school like loving food and just like absolutely loving all the pieces like the culture, um, the traditions and all of this. And then imagine my surprise when I went to school and <laughs> completely separate nutrition and food. I was very confused about this at first. And so that's one of the things that I think I really bring into when I work with families, that idea about figuring out the family food culture and figuring out what it is that you want your kids to know about food and body yeah. and to oh move God. forward on. And then the other thing that I noticed is that there's actually like I think two huge gaps in how we teach kids to eat um, in the dietetics world. So yeah. one is that we focus so much on just, you know, the real nitty gritty nutrition pieces. And I noticed in pediatrics, we would often manage acute nutrition problems, really important, you know, like deficiencies, growth faltering, um, medical conditions that need tube feeds. But then when that's fixed, quote unquote fixed, we send the families on their way and say, hey, your kid can eat normally now, but there's all of this <laughs> drama and stuff that has happened mm. for both the parents and the kids, but they have no support. And then on the flip side, we have parents that, um, you know, are like parents that I think and adults that you guys work with a lot who have this knowledge that they didn't have the best relationship with food. They want something different for their kids and they don't quite know how to implement that or they're so fearful about doing the wrong thing that um, it almost impacts their food. So this is where I come in. I want to make feeding fun. I want families to love to eat together. I want kids and parents to feel good about their food relationship. Ah, so this spoke beautiful. to my soul. This spoke to my soul <laughs> because I just posted a few days ago uh, how, about how I'm just like so afraid that we're going to lose all our cultural foods to mm -hmm. diets because we're 
changing them. We're not passing them on to our children the way that our, you know, grandmothers and our ancestors created them or even cooked them because we want to make them healthier or to fit this like healthism mold, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. that our society has upheld now for for so long and we're just going to lose ourselves and nobody really enjoys eating anymore. I mean, we do, but, you know, and and the women that work with us are (laughs) hopefully at the end of working with us get there. But I think it's just so important. Like I see the joy in my kids when they eat Mm -hmm. and I want them to have that forever. Yeah. And we think about cultivating intuitive eating. It's not a thinking process, right? It's a bit of a sensing and a feeling process. The act of cooking and spending time cooking with others, there's unspoken tacit implicit things that happen when you cook right like to the degree that my grandmother can hold the oil upside down over the sauce and just know by weight when it's time to stop you know um, I love that you integrate the the cooking pieces I think that's such an an interesting I really thought about that as a lens to cultivate intuition and cultivate the sensing part of the skills it takes to become an intuitive eater. So how powerful are you, Superwoman, teaching this from that <laughs> lens? I love it. I absolutely love that. So, you know, a lot of the questions that we got were kind of kind of from two angles. <laughs> One was about the practicalities of feeding kids, right? Um, especially right now, our moms and dads are working from home, maybe teaching their kids at school. There's that time of the day where the uh, shit hits the fan, so to speak, where everything happens at once and then we got to cook food and nobody wants to eat. And, okay. yeah. So there was definitely some practical questions, but there was also um, questions about how when you're healing, mm-hmm. how do you manage that guilt and fear, which I think you're touching on that, that so many parents face. So I'd like to start with that last part and then maybe land down to the mm-hmm. practicalities today. How's yeah. that sound to you? Yeah. Sounds good. All right. So our first question here is how you can encourage kids to try a variety of foods without pressuring them or creating this good or bad dynamic. And this particularly came up around sweets, moms and dads not wanting their kids to obsess over them like they feel they obsess. So what's your take on developing neutrality around food? Yeah. So I think with any family I work with, and even with my own kids, the big piece that I'm always working on is language, language, language. And um, it's a process. And so I've been doing this now for 10 years. I have kids of my own and I still catch myself saying things that in the moment I'm like, why on earth did I say that? Um, And so in my soul. (laughs) Yeah, it is right. We hear it over and over. We say it without even knowing. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I always tell parents is that, yeah, we are going to make mistakes and we are going to mess up around language around food, but that's normal and that's okay. And to give yourself some grace around it. And so then with that piece, I always suggest correcting it in the moment. Mm-hmm. So from, you know, I'll, I have a really good example of this, for instance. So I had a mom the other day who told me, um, like, so in our call, she, she was really upset because her daughter had asked if they could buy ice cream. And she had kind of said as a reflex, no, we can't buy ice cream because I can't have ice cream in the house. If I have ice cream in the house, I'm going to eat all of it. 
And she said this out loud to her eight-year-old kid. And then she felt really terrible and guilty afterwards. Um, and so the discussion was, well, what could we do different or how could we repair this comment, right? And what, what it really comes down to is that, you know, think about, well, okay, I would, after the fact, if you realize this, have a conversation about, you know, maybe why you said this or why you, you want, would want to say something different. And so we had a discussion like a bit of a role play, like what would you have said differently if you could go back to this moment or what would you say differently if this happened next time? And so basically what it came down to is she said, you know, I would, and we always speak with truth. Like she would say, I love ice cream. She does. She loves ice cream. That is true. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you like ice cream too, right? <laughs> so some simple things like that, um, saying, you know, I, it is true. We don't keep ice cream in the house very often. Maybe we need to change that. And then you can even be going further and bringing that intuitive eating piece around. So it, it doesn't have to be talking about diet or any big mm -hmm. thing, but it could be like, sometimes mom eats ice cream to the point where it makes her feel icky. Sometimes I eat too much ice cream. And so sometimes I get a little bit worried about having it around, but maybe we, I can work on that. Um, maybe and it, this speaks to the restriction piece, maybe I eat so much when I get it because we don't have it often enough. Maybe we should have ice cream more. So just some of this language, you can talk these things through out loud in front of your kid and correct yourself. So that's usually the first thing I say, because when I, and when you work with adults, they probably have some really vivid memories of mm -hmm. things that their parents or their grandparents said about their own bodies, about food. And so sometimes correcting it in the moment can be so powerful because the kid is then going to remember, oh, mom really likes ice cream like me. And we're going to buy ice cream next time we go grocery shopping and just kind of flipping that switch. Um, that's usually what I, I kind of work with parents around doing. And I mean, we, I do that myself. Um, and so it's just really being kind to ourselves. This is like yeah. game changing. I don't want to move too fast over this because my mind's like <laughs> so excited by everything you just said. First, I'm really just struck with this ability we all might consider is normalizing learning new things. Right? Yes. That, <laughs> that, that we are not perfect ever. And even if you learn things that feel true for you and you become masterful at it, you will always make mistakes. Ah, oh, take that pressure off. Like <laughs> you will, it is. And so I, I just, I don't think I've yet heard someone say it quite like that, Jay, where, you know, you are going to make a mistake. You're going to say something from your old mindset. You may say something you didn't even know as a belief. Kids have this amazing way when they're in front of us, we have to explain the world to them. And then we're going, <laughs> why do I think of it that way? Um, yeah, you're, they're going to actually help you probably excavate and cultivate some of these new beliefs you're looking for. Yeah. So that was just uh, gorgeous. The curiosity that you modeled there was really powerful. Um, do you find that parents have a, a hard time approaching that curiosity with their kids or is it enough just to intend on it? You know, I, I think for a lot of parents, we there's this pressure there. I mean, many of us have that sort of perfectionist thing in us anyways. But I, I think that when we become parents, um, for many people, that comes out even stronger. Like we want to have all the answers. We want to do everything right. And, um, you know, I think that the other thing about kids that is 
wonderful and terrible at the same time is they always ask you things always worst time like when you're so distracted and you have a million things going on and you're you know stressed or worried about something trying to pay for something at the grocery store whatever and you just blurt something out right and and the good thing is as well okay now i know that's up there um i can i can deal with it but then the other pieces it it just gives you that ability and so what i say for parents when i work with them i never coming from a place of judgment it's always curiosity and so when you're working with your kids on developing a positive relationship with food it's the same thing like asking the why question in just a very curious way and exploring it yeah yeah and and know that you're probably teaching them a lot by being the kind of parent who can say you know what i don't have it all right i'm curious let's learn this together you're creating your family culture with your child you're not solely responsible for it think of all that kids offer families with their little personalities and their interests that are nothing like you and exactly like you at the same time, I'm sure, you know? So I I love letting them kind of step up in that way with you and learn and and develop that family culture. You know, when I got this question, my my thought of like the fear about good and bad foods, in my first job, I worked in pediatrics. And I remember a lot of the parents really almost coming to professionals like, help me Mm -hmm. teach this kid to eat the quote, good foods that are in my mind. So tell my kid to eat actually. So I think a lot of our audience is probably newly aware to be normalizing former forbidden foods like ice cream in your example. That was a a great one. I know that they also probably carry fears and concerns about weight gain in their child Mm -hmm. that drive the motivation for quote, good foods or formally labeled good foods. Um, You know, what do you say to that fear? Like my, my child won't eat enough. There's not enough nutrition. What if they gain weight? and this neutrality around the good foods too. Yeah. So sometimes it's, it's kind of unpacking our own fears, right? So what is it that we're really worried about? Is it, you know, for weight, I get a lot of parents that are worried about weight. And when we unpack it, it often comes down to not so much a health piece, but more worried about what's going to happen outside of the home. Like, what are people going to say to my child? Um, So sometimes it's unpacking that a little bit more. If it's the nutrition piece, and we're generally, you know, finding that the kid isn't eating a balanced diet, um, it's really kind of going back to some of the basics because um, we know research shows that pressuring kids to eat certain foods never actually leads to them eating more of those foods long term. So it's really exploring ways that we can support our children to feel comfortable and confident to try a variety of foods. And then the other thing I find that's really helpful, even starting as young as about, you know, three or so, is asking kids how certain foods make them feel. So as adults, we've all had that experience where maybe we went on vacation and we ate a ton of rich food that we would not normally eat. And then we feel awful afterwards and we're like, oh, okay. I really need to have like some vegetables or some salad or something lighter, right? Um, Kids get that too. Um, My son, (laughs) he's exploring this year, he he just turned eight, he's exploring packing his own lunches. And I've given him some general guidelines, but I've given him a lot of leeway with it. And so most of his lunches are literally looking all like white carbs. 
And he did that for an entire week. He had like one day, I think he packed two bagels and, <laughs> and then he was really excited about it. And then, you know, he came home and he was like, I didn't really eat much of my lunch today. And I said, oh, you weren't that hungry. He's like, I was hungry, but you know, nothing really seemed like anything that I felt like eating today. And so that gives you an opportunity yeah. to explore that. And so then, you know, after a week of packing kind of unbalanced lunches, um, the most parents would kind of look at like, and be like, oh gosh, what's happening here? If you give your kids a little bit of trust and a little bit of leeway and you know they're there, you're there to support them, they kind of write themselves on their own usually. And yeah. you're there then to help them explore that piece as well. Love I, that. I Love can that. feel the blood pressure of our audience rising as you describe this. They're like, how did she... <laughs> I mean, truly, I just am going to make a plug for, for services like Jay's here, because I think that the coaching element is so helpful through that. This is in part behavioral, which means that uh, inputs and rewards and time are, are part of this. And so a lot of the things I would see in, in my former job was the parents would kind of like shut down before the process could see itself through. And so if you're having a hard time with that and you're going like, that sounds great, Jay, but my kid's on you know day six of that and I'm getting a little panicked. Um, it is probably time to, to invest in someone who can help tailor this and make sure you get the outcome you're looking for when you're, you're, you're extending and you're letting yourself kind of go through that. So just a plug for, for what you do. It's so, so important. One of our other questions now ask about the, the things we can't control, which are outside influences, what other people do and say. Um, I had a couple of comments like, you know, we're working hard to create peace around food at the home and maybe grandparents are disruptors especially comments like, quote, of course he loves to eat, look at his size, or connecting a child's love of food or quantity of food with their appearance and shape. Uh, this is such a tough one, especially if you as an adult are still healing from some of that uh, within your family. What are some tips and, and pointers you give to families around that? So stuff like this, I find to be the hardest part of my job. Like I get comments every day from, you know, clients I work with about things that people have said about their bodies, their kids' bodies, other people's bodies that are just kind of rooted in that diet culture, full of shame, full of guilt, right? And one thing that I have really noticed is that sometimes for parents, it is easier to address these comments when they're directed at your child than it is um, when they're directed to ourselves. So an example would be a grandparent. Um, so we, I often work with families where grandparents may say things about bodies that the parents, you know, have problems with when they're said to their children, they may be things that they're being said to them. And so the one thing I tell parents is that um, body autonomy applies to comments about body as well as comments about food and what kids are eating. And so I just really try and give them permission to recognize that because our culture has kind of like erase that. It's basically said it's okay to comment on other people's body mm -hmm. if you're doing it because you're worried about their health. Mm -hmm. um, right? So <laughs> there is this narrative out there and I call bullshit, right? Mm -hmm. So, and so I have that conversation with parents. And so a comment like the one um, you just mentioned, 
Um, what I always tell parents is that the first place I start is in the home. And so I start normalizing that piece about we don't talk about other people's bodies. It's not appropriate to talk about other people's bodies. I also start normalizing that concept that all bodies are good bodies. I also normalize the piece like fat is not a bad word. Um, bodies come in all different shapes and, you know, kind of really working on that in the home. You can start that from a really young age. And then once you feel pretty secure about that in the home, um, you take it wider and you do what feels comfortable because you, you know, it might not feel safe to do that all the time. So if something like that happens outside of the home and you do not feel safe stopping it at that point in time, and that can be emotionally safe as well. Right. Um, it would be having a discussion with your child outside of the situation at home. Um, Another step would actually be removing you and your child from that situation. Like mm -hmm. you can change the subject. You can decide to go do something else. Like if you're in a room in the house with the you know, extended family and friends, you can say, let's go for a walk or let's go do this. And then ultimately, I would say as you build confidence, it would be addressing it in the moment. So the real idea, so comments about food, I always say, you know, um, you like there's that kind of clean your plate comment that comes up a lot and so you can say to your kid um you know you don't have to eat it if you don't want to and then you would tell whoever's kind of putting that pressure on your kid that you know i trust Susie to eat as much or as little as she needs to eat. And if she doesn't want to clean her plate, she doesn't have to clean her plate. And so just normalizing that and showing your kid that the rules around, and I'm using rules here in a different way than food rules. It's sort of like household guidelines yeah. um, apply when you're outside the house or coaching your kids when they start going to play dates and stuff that you can tell them yeah my mom says I don't have to eat everything on my plate my dad says I don't have to eat all my vegetables to get dessert mm -hmm. and so just coaching them to also feel confident that they can say that and then you can back them up by having that conversation afterwards yeah. um, in terms of comments about bodies that's a harder one sometimes sometimes, right? So I would say that you can do something as simple as just in the moment saying, we don't comment on other people's bodies and would appreciate it if you don't comment on ours. And just that, that kind of just shuts down the conversation. It makes it really clear. Um, and um, you can also just use language like bodies come in different shapes and sizes. Um, my kid is growing the way he was meant to grow, just yeah. neutralizing it. And I think we are so scared of doing that, um, but it can be really powerful, just really small, simple phrases like that. Yeah, yeah. these are How really powerful. powerful. Yeah. Delina, I'm just curious for you, like with your kids, has that happened to you before where someone said a comment um, that made you uncomfortable? Like, how do you deal with it? I mean, yes. And I think that, you know, what Jay said about advocating for your children is just so important because imagine just how our children can grow up to advocate for themselves, mm -hmm. hearing you as a parent advocate um, for for them and I mean this this my parents are always you know saying things and I'm always having to nip it in the butt but I remember at the beginning of quarantine when we hadn't seen my parents for like almost two months um 
you know, my kids are always eating <laughs> or that's the joke in my mom's family that my kids are always eating. But um, we called, we FaceTimed my dad and he, um, he saw Nyla eating and he was like, oh my God, Nyla, you're going to get fat. And I was like, absolutely not. You're not commenting on my child's eating. You're not commenting on my child's, you know, weight. Um, you're not doing that again. And I, I think that that was just like the mama bear coming out <laughs> of me. I was like a tad bit rude. Um, but ever since then, like I had a conversation with both my parents and and they've been pretty good about it. But if you're not, like like Jay said, if you can't advocate in that moment, just taking it, taking the time to even just talk to your child and addressing it, I think that that that's also a good step and it makes me feel validated that Jay is saying this because now I feel like man I'm actually doing a good job (laughs) (laughs) always Delina Delina does not give herself enough credit in this life Um, I'm always impressed with how you mama bear things both for your children for like for your friends and for your work it's it's a thread I notice (laughs) yeah no ultimately it's almost like um, you get uncom- get comfortable being a little uncomfortable yeah. around some of that. That doesn't mean you have to jump into a space that feels scary or panicked or beyond your comfort zone, way outside. But Brene Brown says this all the time, living a value-driven life does mean <laughs> that sometimes, sometimes vulnerability oh, and honesty does push you to do these things. And so I love the way, Jay, that you kind of broke it down small. You can start in the home. That's the highest degree of control and safety. If outside the home, can you be thinking about removing from threatening experiences? Let's go take a walk. Let's leave the room. And then the next step is to start catch those comments in the moment as Delina modeled for us. Amazing. All right. We're going to do one quick last question for you. Do you have any energy left, Jay? The brilliant mind of yours are squeezing every nugget we can. Okay. So this was that practicality I mentioned at the top of call. Um, I love this question. Uh, Mom says, figuring out dinner time with work from home, uh, school at home, how do you keep things practical so kids actually eat enough? They're not meal skipping. They're not picky at that time. What are your tips for that dinner meal and making it feel as pleasant as possible? Yeah, dinner is often the hardest meal of the day. I, it I certainly is in my household. <laughs> um, so sometimes, you know, there's a lot of pressure out there to make the the family dinner, the kind of like perfect meal. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the meal where you kind of think about, okay, this is the meal we're going to sit down and talk about what happened in our day. And, you know, but the honest truth is that a lot of the time adults are exhausted from working all day, um, you know, kind of juggling a whole bunch of household things. And then kids are tired, um, especially, you know, right now, Um, A lot of kids are doing sort of a a new way of learning if they're back at school. And um, I know my kids are in person at school right now, and they have so many rules they have to follow that, you know, by the time they get home, they're just done. So so what I usually suggest is... um, you know, when we look at the research, it's actually we're a minimum of, of three family meals a day is what we're looking at. So I think sometimes that can, I mean, a day, a week. So I was going to say, whoa, yeah, yeah, that's every meal. <laughs> Sorry, I said the wrong thing there. It's like, you're not three making this sound easier, Jay. Family meals a week is what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I take that back. So three family meals a week is what we're looking at 
for, you know, that, that connection. Um, and if you can manage that, you're doing excellent. Yeah. If you can't manage it every day, it doesn't matter, honestly. Mm -hmm. So I think there, if, if you are spending all this time, you know, kind of trying to get your kids to sit at the table, trying to get food on the table and you're feeling anxious and stressed and you're not connecting anyways. So what I, I usually say is if for some families, so my family, our main meal of the day where we all sit down together is actually breakfast. I know yeah. that's not possible for yeah. everyone and I'm not talking fancy breakfast. Half the time it's cold cereal and freezer um, waffles. Oh, that does too. <laughs> and so and everyone likes it and it doesn't take much time. Everyone has time to sit down and connect. Um, and most of uh, my, my kids are morning kids. So they're in good moods in the morning. And yeah, then right at dinner, I usually do something super simple. And um, my, I find that for a lot of my clients, kids actually do pretty well eating throughout the day. So if they're not eating that much at dinner, I wouldn't worry that much about it. You offer them the food. Um, and if they don't eat much or they only pick and choose, um, I wouldn't worry so much about it. I think that um, snack dinners are something that I love in our house. We do leftovers a lot. We do kind of like um, sometimes a fun thing like where we'll do muffin tins and we'll put like just kind of snack foods, a variety. So they get veggies and, you know, fruit in there along with some cold cuts and crackers and dinner's it. done, right? So I think that you don't need to have the perfect family meal. Oh my God. Thank you so much for saying that. Cause I feel like that's a lot of what I always tell, you know, the clients I'm working with, I'm like breakfast, lunch, wherever, whenever you sit down, like even like it's fall here where Melissa and I live, it's a little cooler. I know you're in Canada. I mean, Toronto's cold too. So I shouldn't say fall here. It's okay. We're all in the cold. It's getting season. chilly. It's getting chilly. And like our favorite thing to do is go outside and make s'mores. That's our family time. Like we'll go out after dinner and make s'mores. We're together as a family. We're talking like it doesn't have to be just a sit down dinner. You can connect with your family and kind of be like screen time free at any moment. Yeah. Hey, so guys, that's totally helpful, right? There's s'mores. We don't have to put all this pressure on this dinner meal the actual goal is connection at least three times per week in some way, right? Yeah. So these kiddos have space to connect with you, that they're learning some social skills or mm -hmm. real time, that that structure is there. And then eating enough, whatever way that looks like for you. Mm -hmm. Is it the snack cards? Is it s'mores? Is it mm -hmm. cereal at the table? Whatever enough is. And that's true for adults too. Our job is to eat enough, not too little. Mm -hmm. to cross our bodies to know how much and whether or not we're going to want to eat. That's true for kids too. So Oh, I'm not a parent, but I would like, I feel excited to become one one day, Jay, with this advice, you guys. Thank you for preparing me. Incredible. Any last takeaways, Jay, from our episode that you want our listeners to hear if they're really feeling like they want to protect their kids and they're struggling with that right now? Yeah, so actually, the, the one thing that I often say is that we can't actually protect our kids from it everything to do with diet culture. They're going to experience it when they go out in the world. So what I encourage um, the families that I work with is that you're giving your kids skills to navigate that. So you're 
Like we're not protecting them from it. We're calling it out when we see it. We're having discussions with them and then we're giving them respectful language to use to basically call out diet culture and, you know, advocate for themselves. Yes. Yes. I love that. That's really beautiful. That's really all we can do is give them a framework to see the world Mm -hmm. and let them fill in the rest. Yeah. It's beautiful. Jay, you are a gift. I am just so excited. Like she has the capacity to make these amazing meals, but allows herself the middle ground. She is graceful. (laughs) She understands this. Jay, where can people find you and follow you um, to see what you're up to? Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm feeding kids intuitive eating. And then my private practice is Pometa. So Pometa.com. Excellent. Um, go ahead. If you're not driving, take out your phone right now and find Jay. We will put a series of posts up on your week when the episode releases so folks can find her. And I don't know if people notice this, but on our Instagram page, we only follow our guests. So if you're wanting to find our guests, you go up to who we're following. You will find all of them there. Please support them for their time and expertise. Jay, it was lovely talking with you. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Jay. Very fun. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. All right, Melissa, that was such an amazing episode. So, so, so excited to have these guests on this season. So what's going on with you? Um, Yes, first, I agree. It's been a ton of fun. I love you, but it's nice to have a group moment. And that's exactly what's going on with me in my business, too. You know that I started a group offer back in March. And you did, too, correct? I did. Did I tell you how I'm running mine? No. Okay. So here's the deal. Typically I see clients for three months, one-to-one. And what was happening was all these clients kept telling me, Hey, what's going on with your other clients? I'm just curious what's happening in their worlds. (laughs) And I realized like as much as it's powerful to have a one-to-one counseling experience, community is so, so important when you're trying to find food freedom because you need role models to inspire you. And as great as I am as a coach, I'm not always the role model for other people. And so I got to thinking maybe we could put together a group offer that leans on the no guilt framework. So we're meeting weekly for three months and we include a Facebook board where people can really get to know each other through that time span. It's been super, super fun spending time on these Zoom calls with these ladies. That does sound fun. It's like, I want to come in with my wine, some cheese, some crackers. <laughs> I just want to sit there and just chit chat with my friends. About- yeah all the nonsense going on in the world wine cheese crackers a little <laughs> bit of a little bit of your struggle a little bit of your wins we a put it all together diet culture <laughs> exactly exactly and you know i love that you said that because that is what comes up in these meetings where people can have space where people understand what you've gone through you don't even have to say a word that the other members know what you're going through they have a different perspective on your struggle there's a lot of support, there's a lot of enthusiasm, and it's just, it's so much fun. Now, one of my groups is graduating in a few weeks. Do you know that every single one of them has been able to figure out how to work through the struggle that they started with? They all have an answer to whatever their unique struggle was. They have something that they can practice and move forward with. They're not feeling guilt and anxiety around food. They're not fumbling over their words when someone says something that isn't supportive anymore. They are having a relationship with movement in their bodies that feels positive. It has meant the world to me. And so I'm really glad we're talking about this because I want to invite anyone listening 
that wants a longer term experience with women like them, where they can learn my no guilt framework while connecting with others, you are going to be exactly the right person for this program. So here's how you can learn more. You can either DM me at no more guilt and just say group. Go ahead. Just write that word group. I'll know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, we can chit chat a little bit about what you're looking for and if it might be right. Or if you're like, whoa, that sounds awesome, go ahead and apply. You can find that in my link in bio. I will shoot you a message and we'll meet to talk more. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Thanks for asking uh, about me. I mean, that's what this is all about. That's what friends do, right? They support each other. All right, chulas and gals, that was it for today. So peace, love, and break the diet cycle. <laughs>